Amen. Can we just go ahead and give that to the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it feels a little more relaxed tonight, but I believe the Lord's getting ready to recharge. Amen. You may feel relaxed in your spirit, but I believe that there's getting ready to be a refilling, a rebaptizing of fresh fire in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It feels so good to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. Just want to say what a great honor it is for my family and I to be here with you. We love all of you, and we're so grateful to be in God's house on this Sunday night with God's people. Amen. Amen. Good to see my friend, Brother Brian. I missed you this morning, but great to see you here tonight. Hallelujah. And I got my son, Hudson, on the front row here. He's already sitting down, so I've already started to bore him. But hopefully, hopefully we can get an amen out of him here soon. Hallelujah. If you turn in your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 11 through 20, kind of a lengthy reading tonight, but I will, I will haste through them so as to not keep you standing longer than we have to. You know, it's funny, as a kid when I was growing up, they would always say, you know, let's stand for the reading of the Word, and, and when I was a kid, I didn't really read the Word very much, but I found out in my Bible reading a couple of years ago that that's actually scriptural. They would have them stand in the temple in the Old Testament every time the scrolls were read. And so I think it's good that we follow in those traditions. Hallelujah. Luke 15, beginning with verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And then he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. I shared with you this morning uh, a portion of my testimony I do that frequently every time I, I preach somewhere for the first time. It's just, it's a message that the Lord gave me and instructed me a long time ago to, to use the first time I go somewhere. And, and I shared part of that story with you. And we talked a great deal this morning about expectation. And I believe that tonight is really just going to be a continuation of this morning's service. But tonight we're going to find out about the expectation of the church, the expectation of the church. And so... With the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you tonight, leave the light on. Leave the light on. 
Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful to be in your house tonight, God. I thank you for your awesome presence that we feel in this room already. Lord, I'm asking you to put a fresh anointing upon me in this hour to preach your word to your people. Help me to preach with anointing, with power, with clarity. Let your word have free course in our hearts and minds here tonight. Lord, release a spirit of revelation and great faith in this room, God, so we can receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. If you're going to help me preach, you may be seated. Amen? Amen. Some of y'all didn't help me too much this morning, so I'm just letting you know. No, I'm just kidding. But you're all sitting down, so I'm counting on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I noticed uh, a few years ago, and this wasn't uh, really the case, I don't think, when when my wife and I were expecting our children, but I noticed a, a few years ago it became very popular to do these big gender reveals, right? People would get pregnant, and, uh, and, and, and when the mother was expecting, they didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And in the age of social media, you know, everything is like theatrical. You know, everything's got drama behind it. And so, and so they decided, hey, we're going to do this big show. And when we find out if it's a boy or a girl, we're going to do something fun. You know, I've seen, I've seen it where they pitch a ball to the husband, and he's got to hit the ball. And when he hits the ball, it explodes. And it's either blue powder or pink powder. Or they bring out a cake, and they cut the cake. And then, and then when they cut to the cake, it's either blue cake cake or pink cake. I even saw a funny one on the internet uh, where they had put this powder in, in the exhaust of a guy's motorcycle, and when he started up his motorcycle, it blew out a bunch of, uh, of blue powder, and they knew that, and they knew that it was a boy. And, and when, you, when, a, when a woman uh, conceives and is pregnant, they, they ask, uh, or they use the word expecting. What are you expecting? Are you expecting a boy or a girl, and, and when are you due? And, and, and it's funny, I remember them asking my wife week after week, you know, how far along are you? And I, I got tired of the questions, you know, and a couple times I lost my filter. I'm like, she's a week further than last week, you know. Not, not much has changed, not much has changed. Hallelujah, I'm sorry, I'm getting out of line already. Hallelujah. And I remember uh, I wanted to find out as soon as possible. As soon as, as soon as the uh, sonogram would show it, I wanted to find out because I'm a choleric, and and so I need to plan things out. You know, I I need to get the nursery done. I need to get the walls painted, and and I need to know what college he or she is going to go to. You know, all all during the pregnancy, I need to get all of this stuff in order. And so the first moment that I can find out. I want to find out. I know that all of you sanguines out there are like, oh, it's so fun to wait, you know, and I'm like, I can't relate to that, all right? I need to know right now. And so as a choleric, I can tell you that there is a verse in the Bible that brought me a lot of comfort. It was Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. This is a wonderful verse for the choleric parent, and it reads like this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. 
And I just want to take a moment to look at a few words in that scripture here tonight. And if you were here this morning, uh, you, you know I kind of took off like a helicopter tonight. It's going to be a little more of a runway. So if you can just stay with me, we'll get off the ground here shortly. But the first, first word I want you to look at there is thoughts, for I know the thoughts. And I began to study out this scripture, and thoughts means a skillful plan or purpose that is invented. And when I thought of inventions, I thought, wow, inventions are really one of a kind. There's a moment of inspiration. Somebody sees a need. Somebody sees something that needs to fulfill be fulfilled and an invention is created and so that word thoughts means that God invented something just for you he invented something that was one of a kind and he planned it for you for I know the thoughts that I think towards you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and I started looking into this word peace and it means completeness soundness welfare completeness in number safety in body, welfare in your health and in your prosperity, tranquility, contentment, peace in your friendships, in your human relationships, and especially with God in a covenant relationship. And I thought, wow, these words are very, very telling as to what God's heartbeat is for his people and what God's heartbeat is for his children. And he's He's revealing to us here that our lives are not haphazard. There's nothing about us when we were created that was a mistake. There's nothing about our future that he left up to chance. But God created something and put something in us just for us. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you. This is the amplified version, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And the last word I want to look at in this scripture here is expected. Expected. And when I looked at this word expected, Brother Brian, I saw something that I'd never seen before. As a matter of fact, the definition didn't even make sense to me. I thought, well, somebody got this wrong. I, didn't, I don't understand this at all. And I looked up this word expected, and this is what I found. It said, twisted like a cord. Twisted like a cord. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question here. How many of you have ever seen an umbilical cord? And if you're like me, you probably never want to see one again. But that's what came to my mind when I read that definition, twisted like a cord. When I thought of the umbilical cord, I remembered what God said to Jeremiah in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. He said, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You need to know tonight that God put expectation in you at birth. Jeremiah had unique understanding as to how the Lord formed us and gave us purpose. 
the same prophet that knew God had purpose for us also knew that purpose was put into our composition at birth. (laughs) Oh, saints of God. When you were formed in the womb, God put something in you just for you. God put something in you, a destiny, a purpose, an expectation that he invented and created just for you. Often the enemy comes to us and tries to convince us that we're just stumbling our way through life. That day to day we're tripping and falling and we don't know which way we're going. But God told Jeremiah, do you know the thoughts that I have towards you? They are thoughts of peace to give you an expected end. He said, Jeremiah, listen, I know you're going to face some things uh, that are going to try to throw you off course. Uh, You're going to face some things uh, that are going to challenge your mind. Uh, You're going to face some things uh, that are going to challenge your faith. Uh, But Jeremiah, you need to know uh, that I put something in you uh, in the womb uh, that cannot be contradicted. Uh, I put something in you uh, in the womb uh, that cannot be taken away from you. Uh, I put uh, an expectation uh, in inside of you when you were created. (laughs) See, if you want to destroy your destiny, you're going to have to wage a war against yourself. Because when God created you, he put destiny in you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's why when we stumble and fall, The enemy always makes us believe that our destiny is ruined, that our purpose has been forsaken. But can I tell you tonight that God only has a plan A for your life. God doesn't have a contingency plan for you. No matter what mistakes you've made or how checkered your background is or how many pitfalls in your story, God never wrote a contingency plan for your life. He said, I put expectation in you in the womb and I'm not going to vary from it. I'm not going to walk away from it. He's just waiting on you to come back to expectation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See he didn't ask us to come up with a plan. He put a plan in us. And you have to understand that this philosophy, well, this truth, I should say, is countercultural to the philosophy that the world preaches. The world preaches, listen, you got to take a couple personality tests. Uh, you got you to gotta meet with your guidance counselor. You got you to gotta figure out what your giftings are. And then you pick what you want to do with your life. Uh, you pick what direction you want to go. Uh, you choose what roads you want to walk down. Uh, but that's a lie uh, from the enemy. Uh, because there are only two plans uh, for your life. 
life. There's either the narrow way or the broad way. There's either his expectation or destruction. There's only two courses that you can take. So it's time for the church to align themselves with the expectation that God has put inside of us. Anything else will be fruitless. Anything else will lead you to despair. Anything else is an aberration from the destiny that God has for you. Oh, Shandalamahaya. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. He put a plan in us because he knew the world would try to give a plan to us. God put a plan in us because he knew the world uh, would try to empower us to write our own plan. Uh, but the last time I checked, uh, he's the author. Uh, he's the author uh, and the finisher uh, of my faith. Uh, I don't write uh, the end of my story. Uh, the end of my story uh, was put in me in expectation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. See, Charles Spurgeon summed up the Bible in one word. He said, if I could boil it all down to this, it would be submission. The roadmap to God's plan for your life is submission. And our mission in his plan is a subset of his greater mission. Charles Spurgeon used the word submission, but Jesus used a different word. He used the word commission, meaning joint or mutual or common. See, when we are in submission, we have the privilege of partaking in his commission. The expectation he put in you will bring you into fellowship with him as you work with him to fulfill his great commission. Hallelujah. And I know you're wondering, well, why did we read the story of the prodigal? So how does the prodigal fit into all of this? Well, first of all, we got to understand what a prodigal son is. He's part of the family. He's part of the family. He's been through the new birth experience. And so he has expectation inside of him. Our Father has given him a purpose. Our Father has given her a destiny. There was expectation put inside of them before they ever walked out the door. A prodigal is someone who has deviated from the plan. A prodigal is a son who is out of relationship with the father. He is a son without a home. He is a son who needs to come home. And if I can say it like Paul said it, uh, he is a son who is bewitched. Uh, see, Paul said, Oh foolish Galatians, uh, who hath uh, bewitched you? Uh, that's what happens to the prodigal. Uh, the enemy comes up uh, and says, What are you talking about, preacher? Uh, what are you talking about, missionary? Uh, what are you talking about, faithful saint of God? Uh, you don't need that. Uh, I got a better plan for you. Uh, why don't 
don't you look at my plan. Oh, you don't need that plan. What are you talking about? Sacrifice. What are you talking about? Faithfulness. You don't need that. I got a plan for you that's self-serving. I got a plan for you where you can fulfill the desires and lusts of the flesh. And the prodigal becomes bewitched in their mind. And they begin to believe, hey, if I follow this plan, if I go down this road, I think I'm going to be happier than if I follow the expectation that God put inside of me. The prodigal is bewitched. But his bewitching does not negate his expectation. Matthew 5 and 14 reads, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now I'm going to be transparent with you like I was this morning. I wasn't always in church. And what that means is I didn't always listen to Christian music, Brother Tyler. As a matter of fact, I used to listen to country music. Well, not one amen in the house tonight. Hallelujah. Not a one. Not a one. But there was a song that some of you are going to pretend not to know tonight because you are sanctified. Hallelujah. But there was a song that I used to like a lot, and the lyrics went like this. I told you I'd leave a light on in case you ever wanted to come back home. You smiled and said, you appreciate the gesture. I took your every word to heart because I can't stand us being apart. And just to show how much I really miss you, every light in the house is on. The backyard's bright as the crack of dawn. The front walk looks like runway lights. It's kind of like noon in the dead of night. Every light in the house is on just in case you ever do get tired of being gone. I talked to you this morning about how this prodigal left at 18 years old and he squandered his inheritance. And I had to come to my pig pen moment. I had to come to a moment where the Lord could speak to me and grab a hold of my heart uh, and alert me of the circumstances of my current environment uh, and bring me to a place where I was willing uh, to come back under submission uh, and come back under spiritual authority. And all of a sudden, that relationship uh, that had been absent with my heavenly Father uh, became my greatest desire again. Uh, And can I tell you tonight, Brother Tyler, uh, that when I had uh, my pig pen moment, I did not run to the Trinitarians. I did not run to the Catholics. I did not run to the Baptists. And I'm not knocking anybody else here tonight. Don't get me wrong. I believe that those people love the Lord. But I knew a place where the light would be burning. I knew a place where the light had not gone out. And I knew exactly where I was going to come back to. When the Lord got a hold of me in that pig pen, I came running back to a one God, Jesus name, Holy Ghost filled, apostolic church, because I knew they'd have the light on for me. I knew. 
Oh, you got to hear me tonight. I knew that when I walked in that door, I'd still see the same old saints singing the same old songs. I knew I'd see the same old prayer warriors in that prayer room. I knew I'd hear that same doctrine being preached over that same pulpit. I knew that altar would still be there. I knew the presence of the Lord would still be there. I ran back to where the light was. We need to understand here tonight that all across the city are lost sons, lost daughters, preacher's kids, pastor's kids, saint's kids, missionary kids, evangelist kids. And right now, they're stumbling around in the dark. But one day, they're going to come to their pig pen moment. And they're going to come running down Cooper Road. And they're going to want to know, is there still a light on? at Tree of Life is there still a light on in the house of God can I make my way home does the father still reside here hallelujah hallelujah oh Shandalama. come on can we just lift our voices for a moment Begin to give God praise. There's a revelation coming into this house here tonight. Oh, go ahead and let your faith out for a moment. Hallelujah. I remember when I had come back to the church and the Lord was helping me put my life back together. There was a season of time when I was a single father and, and my oldest daughter, it was just my oldest daughter and me, and that was before God saved me and brought me my beautiful wife, Jennifer. Hallelujah. And I was up late, see, because every, every morning, Brother Tierney, I had to get, get Ashley up at 5 a.m. Because I had to be at work at 6. And so I would get her up, and, and I had to get her dressed. And I'm telling you, getting, getting a 4-year-old up at 5 a.m. is not a pleasant thing. I will tell you that right now. And I would get her up at 5 a.m., and I had to get her dressed. And I had to go and take her to Little Lamb's Preschool, and I would drop her off there, and she would be there for 12 hours every single day because I worked from 6 to 6. I had to work 60 hours a week to make ends meet. And then, and then when I would get home, I, I'd pick her up, and I had a little girl who had been awake most of the day without her dad, and all she wanted to do was play games, and uh, all I wanted to do was sleep. But I, I made time, and I played games, and then I, I had to learn how to cook dinner for two, and that was not fun for her especially. I can tell you that right now. But I became a master on the George Foreman grill. Hallelujah. And I would make dinner, and then, and then I had to learn how to do laundry, and, 
And man, we really, we really had to buy a lot of clothes, Brother Buller, because I was not good at laundry. I did not seem to understand that things shrunk in the dryer. Hallelujah. But that was a tough lesson. And anyway, I go through this ordeal every day, every day, for a long time. And man, it got old, Brother Tyler. It got old. And I don't know about you, but for some reason, I think God wants to listen to me complain sometimes. And so I, I went to the Lord. I said, God, you said cast your cares. And he said, that's right. I didn't say cast your complaints. No, just kidding. And uh, I was casting my complaints on him. And I said, God, I said, you know, life is brutal right now, you know, as if I didn't create my own mess. And I'm like, God, things are so tough right now. And this is my daily routine, and it's so hard to go through this every day. And I, I, I basically just feel like I'm in, the, in the, the hamster in the wheel. I'm just spinning my wheels and just going around in circles, and nothing's being accomplished. And, and, and what I said was, I said, God, it's so monotonous. And I remember the Lord impressed something on my spirit. And he said, what you call monotonous, I call faithfulness. See, the warning to the son who's thinking about leaving home is the word that says, uh, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, you have to understand uh, that the position of the prodigal is entanglement. Uh, they're entangled. Uh, but the position of the church uh, is faithfulness. Uh, the position of the church uh, is faithfulness. What do you mean, Brother Fanny? I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, if you aren't faithful, uh, there's not a church uh, for the prodigal to run home to. Uh, we need to stop thinking uh, that it's all about me. Uh, sometimes uh, when you show up, uh, it's not about you. Uh, but there's somebody sitting on your pew uh, that showed up wondering, uh, hey, uh, is there still oil uh, in the house? Uh, is there still anointing uh, at my father's house? Uh, is there still a place uh, where I can run, uh, where godly sorrow uh, works unto repentance? Uh, is there still a house uh, that I can run to uh, where restoration uh, will pick me up uh, and put me back together? Is there still a name I can call on that will reconcile me? Is there still a blood that will cover my every stain? That's why you show up when you don't want to. That's why you get out of bed when you're tired. That's why you give even when you're broke. That's why you commit even when you don't feel like it. We show up not for ourselves, but for the sons and daughters that are wondering, is there still a light on in my father's house? That's why it's important that you don't show up empty. It's important that you show up with oil in your lamp. 
it's important that you're faithful to your prayer closet all week long because you don't know who's going to be in your row next Sunday morning who's going to need an anointing that can destroy a yoke of bondage in their life The Lord didn't call his church to be gluttonous. He called us to be givers. I have a mandate in the word of God to show up at his house every time the doors are open with bread to share, with water to share. I don't know about you, but you better walk into the house of God with the bread of life and that living water overflowing in your soul. And it's important for us to understand where we are in our season of expectation as the church. See, the church is the mother. And the church was born in Acts. And when the church was born, it was born with expectation. Mmm. Brother Brian was flowing in the Holy Ghost tonight when he was given his word. I'm going to explain it to you like this. I'm going to tell you a story about a couple dudes in the Bible named Reuben and Gad. Reuben and Gad were part of the tribe of Israel, the tribes of Israel. So Reuben and Gad had experienced from Egypt on what we have experienced as a type and foreshadowing of the, of the salvation experience that we experienced. They started, their story starts back in Egypt, right? And in Egypt, they're in bondage. What's bondage? It's sin. They're in captivity. They're under taskmasters. Uh, and when you're in sin, whether you're a prodigal or a sinner and have never been born again, when you're in sin, uh, there's one thing that is needed, and that is deliverance. Uh, because when you're in bondage, when you're in captivity, you can't save yourself. Uh, so somebody has to show up uh, and bring you out of bondage. And so God shows up in Egypt, uh, and he said, I'm going to take care of the captivity. I'm going to take care of the bondage. Uh, I'm going to take care of Pharaoh, uh, and I'm going to bring you deliverance. And we know the story of the ten plagues and everything that happened, and the Pharaoh, Pharaoh and his armies die in the Red Sea, and, and the children of Israel experience that deliverance, and they come out of Egypt, and then, and then they begin a very long journey in their life. And, and this is the growth process of the Christian, right? We're born again. We're filled with the Spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus. We've repented for our sins. But that, that's day one. We're, one. we're one day old on that day because we just experienced new birth. And so then we go through this process of growth, right? we got to go through the wilderness. And it's here where we learn uh, to rely on God uh, for everything. Uh, we rely on 
on him for our daily bread. We rely on him for our daily encouragement. We rely on him for mercy. We rely on him for forgiveness. We rely on him to teach us line upon line and precept upon precept. It's in the wilderness where we learn that he's Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Nisi. It's in the wilderness where we learn he's Jehovah Rapha. It's in the wilderness that we learn that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And we grow in our relationship with God as we go through the process. And as we begin to mature, Brother Tyler, God, because he loves. And I can tell you, and Brother Tyler can tell you now, that when you're a father, man, you want to buy your kids everything. You want to give them everything. You don't ever want to say no. No doesn't even want to be in your vocabulary. Every time your children ask, you just want to say yes. And we get to this place in our relationship with God where God begins to bless us. And he's like, yes, I can bless you with this now. He daily loadeth me with benefits. And I'm going to give you a promotion now. And I'm a I'm going to make some things better in your life. And I'm going to improve the conditions of your life. And I'm going to give increase uh, to your sustenance. And I'm going I'm to multiply things in you. And now you're going to experience what it's like to be the head uh, and not the tail. And now I'm going to begin to give you some victories uh, that you never thought possible. I'm going to begin to answer some prayers uh, that you never thought possible. Uh, and, and I'm going to bless you and multiply you in ways that you never dreamed of. And so Reuben and Gad, part of the tribes of Israel, when they left Egypt, they left with a promise that they were going to the promised land, right? So they already know what their expectation is. They already know what their destiny is, where they're supposed to go. But here we find Reuben and Gad on the Moab side of Jordan. And they've been delivered. They've gone through the growth process, and now they're blessed. And their leader comes and says, guys, it's time to cross this Jordan. And Reuben and Gad look around, and they're like, say what? Come again? We just got the new Honda Odyssey, okay? I mean, this has been like a dream forever, we just got the white picket fence, okay? Yeah, I just got a promotion on the job. What do you mean it's time to move now? Things just got good. He said, listen, why don't you guys go and we'll stay right here? Why don't you guys traverse over and go into fulfillment without us? Because really, the grass is a little greener right where we are. <laughs> this is the only place where contentment becomes a trap. Because contentment on the wrong side of Jordan will keep you out of promise. And we need to understand that this is where the church is right now in the season of expectation many many places that I go they are experiencing what you are experiencing the saints have been blessed I'm preaching a third fourth fifth generation Pentecostals they've been blessed they've been multiplied 
They're experiencing revival. The grass is green. Things are good. Things are finally, there's some breathing room in their life. And all of a sudden, pastor gets up and says, it's time to cross this Jordan. And they're like, what are you talking about? I mean, the seats are full. This is what revival looks like. And you want to bring more seats in? You want more sacrifice? You want more giving? More prayer? More fasting? Are you kidding me? Things are good. I thought we were working to get here. And pastor's like, no. No, this isn't the promised land. We're still on the wrong side of Jordan. Listen, some of you are wanting to stay in the second trimester huh? because the third trimester looks a little too difficult. Huh? That's where the feet swell up and the pain comes and things are very uncomfortable and, and, and there's a lot more adversity and, and some of us are like, hey, things are really good right here. I, I can just live with the joy of knowing that I have expectation, huh? but the work that it takes huh, to get to fulfillment of expectation huh, does not really appeal to to me so I'll stay right here but we need to understand that the church is pregnant with expectation when the church was born in the book of Acts we were born with an expectation that says that the latter rain would be greater than the former rain and I don't know about you but I don't want to settle for the former rain I want to move on over to the latter rain we are pregnant with a revival the likes of which we have never seen I'm not talking about every seat being filled in the church I'm talking about walking out in your city and seeing apostolics everywhere that you go I'm talking about occupying the territory and the promises of God don't come to the edge of your expectation where you can see your promise on the horizon and say, you know what? There's giants over there. There's Canaanites over there. I think I'll stay right here where the grass is a little greener. Oh no, my friend, you can keep the Honda. You can keep the house. You can keep the job. You can keep the money because I'm going to cross this Jordan. There ain't nobody and no blessing that's going to keep me out of possessing the promise that God has for me. I'm taking the hand of my brother and my sister and we're moving over to turn the light on in the promised land. I want you to stand with me. The Lord is trying to connect you with an expectation that is bigger than just you. Most of the time when we think of expectation, we just think about our ministry or our personal purpose. But see, you are part of a greater expectation. 
you are a part of a co-mission. You are part of a greater expectation. It is the mission of the church to reach a lost and dying world. And when we get a hold of that expectation, all of a sudden, it's not as hard to sacrifice. All of a sudden, we begin to understand what the man of God said when he said obedience is better than sacrifice. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, listen, it's better to show up every single week and put your tithe in the plate than to show up four times a year and make four $10,000 offerings. He was saying, listen, when you show up week after week, you're keeping the light on in your city. When you do the things that your flesh doesn't want you to do, you're keeping the light on for the prodigal, for the wayward, for the misfit, for the known and the unknown in your city. Hallelujah. 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 I want to tell you about a special lady in my life. Her name is Mary Miller. I call her Grandma Mary. Grandma Mary is not my biological grandmother, but she was an older lady in the church. And when we came here from Brazil, she took me and my siblings under her wing, and she always calls us her kids. She calls us her kids. And I remember after being gone for seven years and finding that altar of repentance, I knew the first person I wanted to call was Grandma Mary. Because if I had ever known anybody that was willing to keep the light on, it was Grandma Mary. Grandma Mary never stopped paying. She never stopped showing up. She never stopped praising God. She never stopped standing on his promises. I fear that today we have too many saints that are blown around with every storm that comes into their life. You want to be grounded? Show up. You want to be grounded? Show up. You want to be grounded? I'm going to tell you right now, if your pastor was here, he'd probably be running the aisles because every pastor wants everybody to show up for every service. That's why Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together because he knew a brother Brian would bring a little oil and a brother Tierney would bring a little oil and brother Buller would bring a little oil. We begin to burn that flame uh, where our city uh, would know uh, where a church uh, set on a hill that cannot be hid I'm going to tell you one more thing tonight before I open up these altars. Two weeks ago, something happened in my life that shook me. There's a young person 
that I know that I've loved dearly have had the privilege of being this young person's youth pastor throughout the duration of their tenure in the youth group. And, and this person has promise on their life. They have expectancy. They have a future. But somewhere along the way of this student's senior year in high school, the enemy bewitched them. And I spoke with this young person a couple of weeks ago, and, and they said, Pastor Vinny, I don't want to be apostolic anymore. I'm just not sure about the church. I'm not sure if those people are real. You know, I, I love God, and I just want to be a good person. And we did some digging and some asking, and we come to find out there were some people in this young person's life that were all too willing to lay out a plan for them. They were all too willing uh, to give them an alternate choice than the church had to offer. This young person became bewitched and said, you know, I, I think I'm going to choose this instead of the church. I, I think I'm going to choose this deception over the truth and, and my heart began to break because I knew my own testimony and I, I knew what had happened to me and I begged and pleaded with this young person not to go and that they would regret it one day and that, and that one day they would have baggage in their life that they could not imagine. But my words were falling on deaf ears and they walked out the door anyway. I love, as a youth pastor, I love this young person with all my heart. And so I'm asking you from the heart of a youth pastor here tonight, is there a church that will leave the light on for them? Because one day, they're going to come back. One day, they're going to realize that the expectation that this world sold to them uh, was just a bag of lies. Uh, and they're going to come back uh, and they're going to wonder, uh, is there still a light on in the church? Uh, and I don't know what building they're going to walk in, uh, but could it be uh, that they walk in the tree of life uh, and wonder, is there a light on here? Uh, is there a light on here? Uh, I remember when I felt uh, in an altar uh, as a young person, uh, is there a light on in Cooper Road. So as we open up these altars here tonight, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come tonight and begin to recommit and reconsecrate yourself to the Lord. Remember that word peace. He spoke of covenant relationship with you. And it's that covenant relationship that keeps the light on for them. These altars are open now. If you would like to come and pray and respond to what you are feeling in the Holy Ghost, then I would invite you to come now.